Coming up on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, we catch up with the Brisbane Lions' Jessica Wuchner and the GWS Giants' Louise Stevenson. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. That's Digital Radio Melbourne on the RSN Racing and Sport app and via rsn.net.au. This program is also available as a podcast by going to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football. Our feature guests for this week are Louise Stevenson and Jessica Wuchner. But before we get to them, let's recap the latest AFLW news. All 10 AFL women's teams participated in practice matches over the weekend and we kicked off on Saturday morning with the North Melbourne Tasmanian Kangaroos 9-2-56 defeating an inaccurate Melbourne 4-10-34. Sophie Apatangelo and Moana Hope amongst the goal kickers for the Kangaroos. At Icon Park in Carlton after a slow start, the Cats got over the Blues 7-4-46 to 7-2-44. We had Brianna Davy kick four goals for Carlton, predominantly playing out of the goal square. Phoebe McWilliams kicked four goals for the Cats. Taylor Harris was involved in a collision late in the match. She came off with ice on her shoulder, but we're assured by the Blues that is just a precautionary measure. However, in late news from the Cats, it's been confirmed that Elise Coventry ruptured her ACL in the practice match at Icon Park and will miss the 2019 AFLW season. Up in Ballarat, the Bulldogs 5-5-35 defeated Collingwood 4-4-28 for the Pies. Irish woman Sarah Rowe kicked two goals. Despite the victory, it was not all good news for the Western Bulldogs with 2018 leading AFLW goal kicker Brooke Lachlan coming off the ground on crutches and it was later confirmed that she had fractured her fibula. Up in Brisbane, the GWS Giants defeated the Lions in a five-quarter match, 11 11- 975 to 4428 for the GWS Giants. Amy Smith kicked three goals. Cora Stoughton kicked three goals. And another Irish woman. Yvonne Bonner, making her debut, kicked a goal for the Giants. Up in Darwin, the Crows 9-4-58, defeated Fremantle 5-8-38. But injury concerns coming out of that game for the Crows. Rihanna Metcalf did her ACL and will not participate in the 2019 AFLW season. And also an ankle injury to their backup ruck in Jasmine Hewitt. So some serious concerns there for the Crows when they go into their opening match against the Bulldogs in a week and a half time and in news from league headquarters stories on the aflw competition will no longer or at least rarely appear on the main afl.com.au website with the league now encouraging everyone to go across to the dedicated women's.afl website and that's what's making news around the aflw to the first of our featured guests for this week. She is certainly a fan favourite. We actually first spoke to her back in 2015 after she had made her debut for the Western Bulldogs in the then AFLW exhibition match series. She was a Tasmanian that moved to WA to play for the East Fremantle Sharks and she was about to head on a journey to Boston in the United States to help women's football in the US AFL. And who would know that a year and a half later she'd be a star on the national stage with the Brisbane Lions. And in fact, she's encouraging Lions members to become uncaged and sign up for a Lions membership for this year by going to membership.lions.com.au. The face of that uncaged campaign, it's great to have on the line Brisbane Lions forward, Jessica Wuchner. Wusha, how are you? I'm very well, thank you, and thanks for having me. 
Great to have you back on the program. It's been about four years since we last chat, and I want to flash back to that moment. You're playing with the East Fremantle Sharks in WA. It's just a couple of months before you're about to head over to play for uh, Boston in, in the USAFL. Uh, at that period of time, you just played in one of the exhibition matches. You just played for WA, uh, beating Victoria for the first ever time. And the one thing you were talking to us at that very moment about was trying to juggle finding a job at that stage and playing football. How far at that stage were you thinking a semi-professional career was away? Oh, I didn't think it was going to happen at all, to be honest. Um, at that point in time, I was obviously just playing for fun and, you know, wanted to be competitive in the representative sides as well. But I had no idea that would be where we are here four years later. At that point in time, what were you thinking about your move to WA? Because originally you were a Tasmanian girl. You dominated for so many years at Clarence. You'd moved to WA. Were you thinking, I'm going to be here in WA for the rest of my life? Uh, as you said, you were, you were struggling to find a job at that stage. Were you thinking you were having to retreat back home? Where was life at at that stage? Yeah, look, I really enjoyed um, the experience of, of being in WA, but it wasn't a place that felt like home. So I didn't see myself staying there. Uh, forever. I didn't really know where I was going to end up. Um, but yeah, it, I did decide to make the move back to Tassie actually originally before the draft even happened and then uh, obviously decided to nominate for Queensland and ended up here. So um, yeah, it's been a bit of a, a whirlwind journey. I certainly uh, didn't really know what was going to happen. Before we talk about you packing up the car and driving all the way up to Queensland, Let's just pause for a moment because to get to Queensland, you had to go to another continent. You went to the USA <laughs> first um, to help for three months with the USAFL and the Boston Demons. Uh, as you said, you thought it's something worth giving a go and giving back to the game. Was it everything you expected when you arrived in Boston? It was probably a whole lot more than what I expected, to be honest. Um, not only was it amazing to be able to be in a different environment, enjoying you know, the game that I love with you know, people that you'd never imagine would even know what the game was about um, to start with. And then the friendships and, and mateship that I made over there um, is more than I could imagine. And it's, you know, already lasting a lifetime. I've already gone back and visited quite a few of them um, on my last trip as well. So it's certainly um, an experience that I'm so glad I, you know, took and, and um, I'm, forever, I'm forever grateful for. How difficult is it being over there trying to promote the game and encourage the game, particularly when you've grown up in an environment like Tassie and then staying in WA, which are footy-mad states? Yeah, look, it is a challenge. Um, I think it's a, it's a slow process um, for them to get people that aren't inside the USAFL yet to come in and, I guess, fall in love with the game. But, you know, it, it's pretty obvious to see as soon as they can get someone in, um, it's not hard to fall in love with Australian football. So um, it is hard, but I think slowly they're growing, um, I guess, their brand over there as well. And they're getting more and more teams up and running, which is really exciting for not only Australian football, but, you know, for our, I guess, our exposure throughout, you know, the rest of the world. You played in a number of games there, including the Eastern Regionals and obviously the USAFL National Tournament, which I'm correct, I think that year was in Austin, Texas. Um when you're playing in that, does it require great patience knowing that obviously the teammates that you're playing with and the players that you're up against aren't up to the school level that you're accustomed to playing to? It was a while ago, so I couldn't tell you, but I just had a lot of fun, to be honest. I 
I wasn't really taking it too seriously. Obviously, I always want to win. You know, I've, I've got that competitive side to me. But for me, it was just about seeing some of the girls from when I first got there, their skill level and knowledge of the game to when we went to the USAFL Nationals in Austin. The growth that they made in that sort of, I guess, three-month period of time was really exciting to see. And um, I guess I just really enjoyed that part of it most and being able to uh, use my knowledge and try and help them, I guess, grow their, their game. And uh, the word I heard from out of that Nationals is there was never a moment where you got to stand alone. Apparently, at every available opportunity, there was always a female player coming up to you, picking your brains about the game. Uh, yeah, I guess that's um, a part of you know going over there and uh, having the knowledge from Australia to, to give to anyone that really wanted it. Um, I, I guess that was the best way for me to meet people as well. You know, I get to meet people from all over the country and, and get to tell them you know what I know about the game and and share the experiences that we both have of why we love the game. After that, you've come back to Australia, re-energised from that uh, visit to the USA. When did the moment come that a phone call was either made by yourself or by the Lions to you to consider a move up to Queensland? I couldn't tell you the exact time. I think it was when it was just first announced. And um, Craig sent me a text message, and it was just plain and simple fancy a stint up in the Sunshine Coast. And I was like, oh, I don't know. I haven't really thought about it. You know, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that time. And a few months went by and it was getting closer to the, the cutoff date with the nominations. And I'd already decided to leave WA. Um, so obviously uh, Fremantle wasn't an option for me there. Um, and I just gave Craig a call when I was in the car on the way back from uh, WA to Tasmania with my mum and said, well, what about that offer? Um, you know, I'd like to come to Queensland. And he said, yeah, no worries. And, yeah, that's how it happened. And you'd end up being picked by the Brisbane Lions. You'd find yourself a new home. And was it essentially through connections with the Lions that uh, you managed to find the job that you're currently working in as a stevedore? Yeah. Uh, DP World originally were going to come on as a sponsor, um, but that didn't work out. And they threw it out to the Lions. Is there any girls that were from out of state were looking for work um, to come in and I guess have an interview and see how we went in the job and yeah I, I got it and I love it so I'm pretty I guess blessed that I have you know two jobs up here that I really really enjoy. Now it is shift work Steve Adoring so can you give people an example into what your day's like when you're trying to balance that shift work with obviously your training commitments and playing for the Lions? Yeah it's um it can be quite difficult obviously you still need to make enough money to get by and things like that but I'm pretty flexible and they are pretty flexible with me about the shifts that I work so I can scratch off any um, I guess time that I do need Uh, but you know every now and then I'll have to work a night shift after training or after a game or something like that Um, which can be quite difficult Um, obviously you're not getting the sleep that you require for full recovery and things like that Um, but you know it's something that I'm I'm sure compared to other people, it's not that hard. Um, you know, you've got girls out there that are working full-time jobs uh, through the whole week. And I, you know, like right now, I'm sitting at home doing not a whole lot before training. So, yeah, it is, it is difficult sometimes. But at the same time, I'm pretty blessed to have that flexibility. Going into that first season with the Brisbane Lions and the first AFLW season overall, the pundits were saying, look at the Collingwood list, look at the Melbourne list, look at the Bulldogs list. They were talking up Fremantle despite losing a number of WA players. 
the Brisbane Lions weren't on the radar. No one was talking about the Lions. Was that used as motivation at all behind closed doors that everyone's thinking that you're not going to be the equation, it's time to show them wrong? I guess, in a way, it, it is a little bit of motivation. Um, you know, it's a Victorian-based sport, really, if you look at it, if you look at the overall, uh, I guess, teams in the AFL. And it was always going to be that the, the light would be more uh, shining on the teams down there. And, um, yeah, up here in Queensland, we just sort of went about our business. Um, there wasn't too much insight into what we are going to look like or how we are going to play. And... We just worked really hard to, I guess, feel the best team that we could at the time and um, come out and just really just have a free swing at it because there was no expectations on us. A few games in, you're starting to get a few wins in a row, particularly knocking off Melbourne, knocking off the Crows, for example. Is there a particular moment in that season where you go, well, hang on, we've got a roll on here, we're a shot at this flag? I think um, when we came up against the Crows, I think it was round five, and we are both undefeated at the time. And, you know, when we got that win, it was kind of like, oh, you know, it's not just a fluke. We're not just here because, you know, we've been lucky on a few occasions or we've just won a few close games. It was, you know, we're genuinely believing in ourselves at this point in time that we could, you know, make it to the grand final and perhaps go all the way. Um, Obviously, it didn't turn out that way, but um, I think the belief really started to come within the group after that, that win against Adelaide Crows. You managed to get to the grand final, was held in Queensland, albeit on the Gold Coast for the first time. A big occasion. You must have enjoyed the occasion. Unfortunately, the result didn't go your way. After that game, what what was the feeling in the stomach of the side of, okay, we've played in this historic moment, but it hasn't gone our way? Yeah, it was a bit of... um, For me, the first grand final was... uh, I guess, easier to swallow because, yeah, we did lose the first grand final, but we did make it. We were there on that historic day. Um, you know, we're very proud of each other for the effort that we put in for the first season. And um, the coaching staff were really, you know, I guess they brought our spirits up after that game with just, you know, how immensely proud they were of us and, and the team and everything that we've been through for that first year. And um, obviously not coming away with a win is an ideal, but I think, the first year was a lot easier to swallow, that's for sure. Does it feel like you too, the loss against the Bulldogs was perhaps the one that got away? Oh, I think both of them were the ones that got away. I think, you know, if you look at our, our record um, over the years, um, I think we have one of the better win-loss records. So really, um, you know, we probably should have a, a premiership by now if we um, turned up on the days. Um, but for us, against the Bulldogs, firstly, we'll pretty lucky to make it there in the first place, um, which was pretty amazing considering how all the, the last round games panned out. Um, for me personally, there were certainly moments that I look back now in the Bulldogs game where we could have, I guess, put our foot forward to be in front, um, which we didn't take. And uh, I guess the loss of that game uh, certainly hurt me personally and I think the team a lot more than what you, you one did because... You know, you never want to lose one, let alone two in a row. You're backing up for season three. Even though you did lose a couple of players, there's a chance that the Lions are going to be up there again because you haven't been as hit bad as in, for example, like a Collingwood who really got rated badly uh, and some of the other Victorian teams with the introduction of Geelong and North Melbourne. 
But do you see a change again happening in your forward line? I, I see from season one to season two, you had to make the adjustment with Taylor Harris going, leaving out the tall target. A bit opposite in season three, you now have an additional forward coming your way, an experienced forward to join you in Lauren Arnell. Yeah, uh, I think that the ability for our coaching staff and our club to get Lauren on board this year was very important for where we're heading at the moment. She brings, obviously, a wealth of knowledge and incredible footy IQ, and she's obviously a great player as well. And I'm really enjoying working with her in the forward line and, and just learning from her experiences over, I guess, her successful career that she's had through Darabin, um and everything like that. And it's just, yeah, it's been amazing. So it's great to have her down there teaching us a thing or two. You're talking about experience. How important is it to have Sam Virgo back on the side after missing a year with the ACL? Yeah, Sam. Sam's probably... Um, I look at Sam and she's probably the person out of the whole club and the whole team that I care about her opinion and I want to impress the most. So to have her back out on the training track for me personally uh, drives me even further. Um, and obviously her wealth of experience and just how she is a brutally honest person and will tell us how it is, but also has the most understanding um, and caring personality as well has been really important for our group. And, um, you know, on game day, she's always going to give 110%. So um, I think it's going to be really important to have her back in our lineup. There's also been a change with the captaincy. Mazilki standing down for the captaincy role and Leah Kasler taking over. I know it's early days and you've only essentially had one practice match under Leah, but can, can you see a difference in the styles at all and explain that, the difference between the captaincies of Emma and Leah? I guess there there is a difference in, in how they, um, I guess, use their role um, for motivation for the team or how they lead um, and things like that. Emma was always sort of, she was always a solid performer on the field, um, was a little bit softer spoken and just was a really encouraging, um, I guess, captain. And obviously she did an amazing job in the first two years. And then you bring in Leah and she's a warrior. She, um, she'll say it how it is. She uh, She's not try to back down from a few words at the start of the game, half-time, quarter-time, anything like that. And once again, she's always going to put in every single bit that she has on the field. So I think the only difference that you could probably see between the two is just, um, I guess, how they get their message across. That's probably the only difference, um, but both very valuable leaders for our club. What is it about Craig Starsevich, do you think, that gets the best out of footballers on the women's side of the game? Uh, I think Craig genuinely knows how to coach women, which is probably a weird statement considering, you know, all the coaches in the uh, w, in the AFLW are um, coaching women, but he's been doing it for so long and I guess he has the right mix of empathy and, um, I guess, uh, attitude towards the girls. Um, he certainly knows when it's time to knuckle down and, and, you know, tell us how it is. And he knows when it's time to be like, all right, we're just, you know, we've had a bad day, but, you know, this and this and this. So, um, I mean, personally, Craig was the reason why I wanted to come to Queensland in the first place because I just love the way that he coaches and I love how he conducts himself, you know, as a, as a coach and as a person. Over the last couple of seasons, you've been running around in the QWAFL. Um, two questions on that. First of all, um, what led you to choose the Cooperoo Kings? Uh, I sat down. That was actually the first club that I sat down with um, to have a chat about where I was going to play. Um, I hadn't really thought too much about it 
obviously just worrying about the, the lion season at the time. And I just think that the way that they had a passion and drive for women's football and the way that it was just so inclusive. I've never been a part of a, you know, a club football team that's so inclusive of the women. And to be quite frank, I think partly the women's team is more important to them because they know that they have that pathway through to the AFLW now. Um, and they really want to build on that and have all the success that they can with the women so we can get more girls drafted, which obviously happened this year. And continuing our talk on the QWAFL, have you found the standard of the competition? And I ask it in the context of we know for 2020 the Gold Coast is going to come in, so there's going to be more players required from Queensland to make the step up, not only for the Gold Coast side, but to fill spots on the Lions team. How are you assessing that current talent? I think it's definitely building. I think they're putting a lot of work into some of the older girls who have potential but maybe haven't played the game for as long. And then you look at some of the girls that even missed out on the draft this year uh, from the under-18s competition and even just those that are a little bit older, you know, 20, 21 years of age. I think the the talent's going to be there in 12 months' time. Um, It's obviously going to be tough. That's another 33 or 31 players that are going to be on a list. Um, You know, they might have to look outside of of Queensland for a, a few of their players and things like that, but... I think the standard over here is um, certainly a lot higher than what people would expect for a Queensland competition. And how do you feel personally being in the spotlight? I, I talk on a number of contexts. Uh, first of all, as we knew uh, before you came to Queensland a couple of years ago, you did a piece for the former Girls Play Footy site that ended up being in the Herald Sun as a double-page spread, talking about the need to better fund women's footballers. And of course, if you tweet or make any comments about what the AFL are doing to, on the opposite side, from a marketing campaign, here you are, the, your your image there in front of Uncaged for the Lions for 2019. Yeah, um, oh, I quite like the spotlight, don't I, it seems. Um, <laughs> otherwise, I'd probably uh, keep my mouth shut every now and then. But um, no, it's, it's, it's obviously uh, the spotlight that I'm in is changing. Um, I'm growing up. I'm sort of, I guess, maturing a bit more and understanding I probably need to think about what I say a little bit more than, than what I used to. But, um, yeah, it was pretty cool to, to be asked to be on the, I guess, uh, membership and the Uncaged um, promotion. And, you know, it's something that I'm very honoured to do because, um, you know, this club means a lot to me and it's it's great to see that they have the same faith in me. I know you're in your 20s and there's still a long way to go in your footy career, but Thinking post-football, where do you see your place in the landscape? Do you see yourself coaching? Do you see yourself being part of the media? Well, I think we joked at one stage there could be a regular column called Wishes Whispers or something like that. Where do you <laughs> see your career going post-playing days? Yeah, it's, it's something that uh, my mum asks me a lot, actually, because she seems to think that um, media is my route. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm not too sure I have a face for TV, but I might have a face for radio. So, um, I, I definitely want to work on, um, my coaching side of things over the next few years. Um, perhaps looking at, you know, sort of junior stuff, things like that, just something to keep me involved in the game, uh, hands on. But at the same time, I do, I do like to, I guess, have a bit of a chat as well. And I think I could, you know, give good insight of women's football and things like that. So media is something that I'll also potentially look at at the end of my career. 
And finally, before we let you go, yourself personally, how are you feeling coming into this AFLW Season 3? For example, can you give us an insight to improvements you may have had, whether it be the two-kilometre time trial, what you might be bench-pressing, etc. How much have you <laughs> physically transformed since your first season, now coming into Season 3? Uh, well, since first season... Um First season, I was not really ready at all physically. Um, at that point in time, I didn't really know what I was coming into. Uh, I think my, if we want to talk about bench press, I think my bench press then was 43 kilos and I'm benching uh, 53 now. So, I mean, that's that there and um, I've probably dropped about five kilos from season one as well and um, my body's certainly feeling like it's in a lot better position to I guess run out games and, you know, be able to move across the ground a lot better. So it's a credit to um, our strength and conditioning team because, you know, they're amazing and they're certainly the ones that have got me to where I am. Well, Jess, thank you very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival and we wish you all the very best for the upcoming Round 1 game when you take on the GWS Giants at Morton Bay Sports Complex. Thanks, Peter. Appreciate it. To our second guest for this week... She was a star of Victorian youth girls football for many a year. She played in the first ever AFLW exhibition match. She was a staple of the Melbourne University Muggers team. And in 2016, she decided to sign on as a priority pick with the GWS Giants, where she'll be playing her third season with them this year. It's great to have on the line Louise Stevenson. Lou, how are you? Good, thank you, Peter. Thanks for having me on. Great to have you on the line. And first of all, how are the uh, nerves as we count down uh, less than two weeks to go until the season opener? Um, yeah, the nerves are high, to be honest. <laughs> um, we're, we're extremely excited to say that next week is now round one. Um, so next Sunday we play our first game against Brisbane. And yeah, the whole team is, is super excited and can't wait to start. Before we go back through your careers, I just mentioned in the intro, how does it feel to be almost regarded as a veteran of women's football, but you're still only 23? <laughs> um, to be honest, I haven't heard that before today. So, um, yeah, I guess you could say that. I, I probably I came into football at a really good time when I was 14 and um, the academies were starting up and the, the state teams were getting pretty serious by that stage. So I have been around a little bit, I guess. Um, but, yeah, still still a lot to learn for sure and, and definitely some some older girls that I'm still learning from. <laughs> let, let, let's take that step back through time. I believe your first footy was with Parades and Damien's Junior Football Club up around the Watsonia Greensboro area. Yeah, that's correct. Um, so my brother grew up playing there and, and my best friend, um, who's also a male, played there. Um, and I just kind of watched them on the weekends, not knowing that I could play too. So when they started up the youth girls team in 2009, I was I was really wrapped and um, went straight down to, to, to play some footy and loved it ever since, basically. So it was a really great club to be a part of in my junior days. Talking about friends, one of your other friends, Beck Privatelli, also played at that club. And if I'm correct, Beck in the first year won the uh, youth girls best and fairest, and you would then go on to win the next three youth girls best and fairest at Parades and Damien's, <laughs> uh, otherwise known as the Marina Perry Medal. Yeah, that's correct. Um, good research. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was. We had some really good coaches, and, and the team was fantastic, and, and we all really just just played footy for the fun of it. So I think that was my favourite part of it all. Um, we didn't win a game our first year, so. Um, ourselves and Darabin in the junior comp were, were quite poor in our first year of playing but then we ended up playing in, in grand finals against each other for the, for the remaining years so we um, yeah it was, a, it was a long journey for that first year but it was, it was a heap of fun for sure 
This was the very early stages of youth girls footy as it was starting to grow before it became as huge as we now know it. Could you describe the standard and how often you got to play and the types of grounds that you had to play on in a competition that was virtually just starting out? Yeah, I mean, I, I can't knock the, the grounds too much. I think we were actually um, we were probably pretty lucky around that area. There were quite a few established grounds that we were playing on. Um, we were definitely playing at the earlier time slots that probably you'd see Oz kickers play at this stage. Um, but uh, at, at the time, we didn't know any better, I guess, and, and we were just happy to, to have the opportunity to play together in, in a, girl, a girls' team. Um, we had a couple of girls that had played with the boys in the past and they said, you know, nothing beats playing with, with some, some girl counterparts. So um, it, it was different to what it is now, that's for sure. And and um, I guess the, the coaching opportunities that people have these days and things like that, that's definitely changed. So, I mean, it, it was fun for when I was doing it, but, yeah, definitely become a lot more elite and professional and, and clubs are really taking their women's teams um, very seriously from, from here on out, which is really great. Just to show the extremes, can you go back to your first year of playing football and how often would you train compared to right now as a semi-professional with the GWS Giants? Yeah, I guess um, we trained probably twice a week when I started playing as a 14-year-old um, and the warm-up looked like a lap around the oval and a couple of calf stretches and then it was straight into it. Um, these days it, it's extremely different and, and we're training about four times a week including including gym work and weights. Um, and our warm-up probably goes for about an hour in total in terms of um, activation, stretching, jumping, all those different things to, to get our body right to play a game of footy. So um, that, that strength and conditioning side of things has definitely changed over time. Um, it takes a lot longer to, to warm our bodies up now. I don't know if that's because we're getting older or if we're getting more elite. But, um, yeah, I mean, as I said, it, w- it was just a lot of fun playing as a junior and not really taking it too seriously. But now I'm loving being part of a, an elite environment and doing all that stuff. Do you recall the first time you were called up to play representative for football for Victoria at youth girls level? Yeah, definitely. Um, it was only my second year of footy, so I was very shocked and um, quite overwhelmed. With, with I think my dad received an email on his, on his computer and got me to come into the study and have a look at it, and I couldn't really believe that that asked me to come down to trial um, for the state team. I still had no idea about anything to do with football yet. Um, couldn't really kick it very well, but... Um, I think they, they noticed that I was pretty tall and could run a bit. So they were, they were happy to, to develop me over the couple of months that we had for training. Um, and I was really, yeah, I was really excited to, with the opportunity to, to play with such a talented bunch of girls in, in 2010, for sure. Can you give us an insight to some of those star players that you were playing with and up against around that time? Yeah, it's quite funny. We, we talk about it quite a bit because, um, at the Giants, obviously, we've got quite a few interstate players that, that have, have now come all together to Sydney. Um, so I played against the likes of Sabrina Frederick Torb and the Ruck. Um, Emma Swanson was also playing for WA. And um, Brisbane, we played against Taylor Harris, Katie Brennan. Um, and with, obviously, I was playing I was playing with Nick Stevens, Jeff Delpos. Um, who else was I playing with? Alicia Eva had just finished that year. So she was, she was a coach for the first year that year, I think. Um, and yeah, plenty, plenty of big names that have now um, gone on to play ASRW, which is really great to see. Um, the pathway obviously was so strong um, from an AFL Victoria point of view, and and obviously across across the board um, with AFL Queensland and, and WA. So um, yeah, there's there's plenty of faces, and looking back at a 2010 photo of us um, is quite funny to look at because we've all we've all kind of ended up um, right at the same page playing ASRW together, which is awesome. 
Now, as we mentioned earlier, Parade St. Damien's is around the uh, Greensboro, Watsonia area, and you're buying Bundura's Latrobe University, where you went to uni. That's all kind of yes. in Diamond Creek's backyard, but you ended up at Melbourne <laughs> University. How did that happen? Yeah, I've been asked that a couple of times, actually. Um, to be honest, I went where my friends went. Um, I was a bit like that back in the day. I, I wasn't really um, too, too fussed about what else was going on, but I just wanted to know what my friends were doing and wanted to stay with that group of people. So um, a couple of girls that I that I played straight with were, were also going to Melbourne Uni for their senior footy, and um, I thought it was a great opportunity. I'd had a couple of phone calls from, from Melbourne Uni, and they said they'd, they'd, they'd be wrapped to have me down. So... Um, went straight straight to there and, and, and loved it, to be honest, because that was the whole reason I started playing footy is just to have a good laugh with my mates and, and that's, that's what I continued to do, I guess, at the senior level too, which was great. And a superstar Melbourne uni side, but before we get to that, just as you hit 18 years old, uh, obviously going through the under-18 system, you also went back to help with, the, with some assistant coaching roles. You either played under or helped assist uh, people on the likes of Damien Keeping, for example, who would go on to uh, coach at Carlton and uh, Wayne Siegman, who would go to coach at Collingwood. Yeah, exactly. Um, I was really, I was really um, amazed to have that opportunity coaching um, under Damien Keeping as a, a development assistant with him. Um, and then obviously both underneath the head coach of Wayne Siegman in the Vic Metro program. Um, the, the girls that we coached, uh, such elite players, such as Izzy Huntington, Daisy Bateman, um, Deanna Berry, Maddie Pasakis. So I was really fortunate to, to, to work with those girls and to share my knowledge and also learn some things from those girls as well. So, um, yeah, I, I've loved kind of touching into the coaching space as well. Um, it's really great for my own footy and also just to give back to the programs that helped me so much as a junior. So. It was a great experience. Just on that, when you're coaching the likes of Huntington, Smith, Press, Sparkers, does it almost give you a bit of a boot up the backside of, I better get my skates on here because the next <laughs> generation's coming through is going to be even better? 100%. 100%. Looking at the girls coming through now, um, we've got Elise Parker in our team at the moment. Um, she's a star on our New South Wales girls. Um, and it just shows you that the talent that's coming through is, is remarkable. And these girls have now got that, that full pathway from Auskick through through to the AFLW level. So they're not giving any beats at all. Um, so we definitely, uh, myself even, I'm only 23, but um, even from, from my age, I know that it is a kick up the kick up the bum a little bit to, to work even harder. And I know these girls have, have got skills um, way earlier than, than we kind of developed our own. So they're definitely, um, they're definitely pushing us through, which is great. Is it fair to say, because you've always been known as a versatile player, it's been a blessing and a curse at the same time, as in at least for your late teens and early 20s, it didn't seem you had a position where you could settle in as compared to, for example, when you were playing at Richmond this past VFLW season, where you seemed to settle in really well around the half-back position. Yeah, definitely. Um, you're spot on, really. It, it, it is a blessing and a curse. Um, I've actually missed a couple of teams, I think, um, asked for feedback, and it was basically... We just don't know what position you play in, and I can completely understand that because uh, if, a, if a coach tells me what, we want you to be versatile, we want you to run through the ruck and the forward line and the back line just to fill in spots, then I'll obviously do what the team needs. But um, in terms of my individual footy, it has been a bit of a curse. Um, so, yeah, I'm trying to really um, engage with the back line and, and trying to earn a spot there for sure um, with the Giants. That's that's the aim here, and playing footy with Richmond um, was a fantastic experience to try and settle in that spot for sure. Going back to Melbourne University, when we saw you through the years of 2014, 15, 16, 17, um, 
It may not have brought home a premiership for the Muggers, but, geez, there was some exciting football being played. And uh, a kick or two goes another way, and who knows, that premiership might have been yours uh, back in 20, uh, 2016. Yeah, we were definitely um, definitely very close, and, and we had some, some really fantastic players in our group. I think the whole team... Um, was a bunch of superstars really, and um, we were really shattered not to to win win a premiership um, at our time at Melbourne Uni because I know a lot of us have kind of um, left that 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 solid group that we had for a couple of years there. So um, Darwin were just too good, and Diamond Creek were just too good, and they they kind of were the two that that stood out the most over those couple of couple of years. Um, but yeah, I mean we. <laughs> As much as we wanted it, it just wasn't wasn't our year. I think um, so. We, um, you know, Jago Andrew Jago was a fantastic coach, and we had some great leaders in the team. So there's no fault of their own at all. Um, but we just were, were weren't the better team on the day, basically. Does it shock you in a way when you sit back? I mean, we're only two seasons into the AFLW season, but you think, hang on, just a few years ago, before AFLW started, you were just having a kick in the park with Melbourne Uni, along the likes of what would be a future premiership captain, Ali Blackburn, a future league best and fairest in um, in uh, Emma Carnin. Of course, your current teammate at GWS was also a star player in their first season at Collingwood and Alicia Eva. Can you believe that, you know, you're all now household names? Yeah, I mean, that, that year when Gil announced that they were, they were going to push for an AFRW league, um, you know, within the next couple of months, it was really... It was absolutely surreal, um, and I'll never forget that that feeling of knowing um, that, that that speech that Charlotte Curtis would always give us from AFL Victoria of AFLW will be one day a thing. It will be a, a, an established league, and it will be something that you'll be able to forge a career out of. Um, that speech that she made, we all kind of thought that that's that's wonderful, but we've not seen anything that that hints towards that at all in in our time. So who knows if that will really happen? So. Um, playing alongside and against these players that I've always played before, but just in this elite environment in AFL jumpers is um, still really surreal to think about. I think about it all the time, um, how lucky we are to have this opportunity in this day and age because women have played football for so long um, and they've obviously they've skipped past this and they've missed that boat. Um, but it's also super exciting for those those young girls now that are, that are picking up a footy. Um, what, what lies in store for them for their future as well. So it's, it's a really exciting time. You're listening to Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks very much for your company. We're continuing our chat with GWS Giants footballer Louise Stevenson. Stepping back to 2013, you're just 18 years old and you get selected to play in the first ever AFL Women's Exhibition game at the MCG Melbourne versus the Western Bulldogs. What's your thoughts going into this game? Did you think this could be become something or just a case of, oh, great, I, I get to have a kick on the G? Um, look, to be honest, I, I was shocked that I was selected. I remember Beck Crivitelli, who you touched on before, her and I both were putting our names into the draft and, and our parents both said to us, look, don't, don't get your hopes up here. You know, there's a lot of women that play football and there's only 50 spots um, to play in these two teams. Um, so we went we went to the draft thinking, oh, should we even be going tonight? And then we were both announced in the 20s of some sort um, to, to, as a draft pick for the Bulldogs. So um, it was definitely just just something that I soaked in and um, I guess I didn't think too much of it at the time. I thought, 
you know, this is fantastic. They're doing exhibition games, but we had to kind of get our own sponsors for the game. So we knew that the AFL weren't, weren't anywhere near um, having a fully established league in the next couple of years. Obviously, they proved us wrong, but um, that was my thought process at the time. I was just so excited to be playing on the G in that game. You managed to play in a couple of exhibition games, and, and now I want to talk to you about a tough moment. In 2015, uh, Eddie had Stadium. They were holding uh, the draft for the first of what would be two games to be played that year. Um, they did a big dump of players. Only six were being retained on each side, with uh, all the rest going back into the pool, plus other players. Your name wasn't called out that night, and uh, I recall that night some friends and family around you, you were rather emotional that, that you didn't get selected what was your thought process after that and I guess where your career was going at that stage? Yeah, I guess um, it was extremely emotional for me. I was probably overreacting looking back at it now, but it was um, footy was my life at that point in time and it is now, I guess, but um, I've got a bit more of a, a realistic point of view these days. Um, I've grown a little bit now, but um, being that age and, and yeah, having having footy was the, the main priority in my life, so um, I'd had an injury setback the year prior and I'd had surgery in October the, the year beforehand um, on my ankle. So I think I didn't um, – I took for granted my, my fitness and probably my um, – yeah, probably match fitness in, in general um, before that time and then leading back into the VFL season prior to the draft, um, I wasn't quite ready to go. Um, I still had my hopes up for some reason um, and just thought – you know, I've actually just, it sounds really ridiculous, but I'd not really been not selected um, for trying out for something before because I'd always just tried out for, for footy and, and was tall enough and fit enough to, to just wing it a little bit. Um, so that was a really tough moment for me and a really good moment for me. I think I grew a lot from that knowing that um, I still needed to continue to work hard because so many girls were were um, for working hard for their footy and, and, and starting footy from other from other um, sports codes. So it was definitely a point in time where I, I realised footy was growing. Um, it wasn't just that small pool of girls that started footy when they were 14 and, and went on to play for state and things like that. Um, it was definitely something that was um, chased chased by a lot of girls now um, and I needed to, to work a bit harder to get there. So... It was a really good um, good moment and a, a really tough moment, but really good all the same to, to get me um, fiery and ready to go for, for the next time round. Heading into the inaugural signing period and drafts for the first uh, AFLW seasons, we know it's a little bit complicated. There's marquees, priority picks, and you can nominate mm. for a particular state that you want to be drafted from. What led to the decision to uh, put your hand up to go to New South Wales and be taken as a priority pick with the GWS Giants and essentially pack up from Melbourne and move to Sydney? Yeah, well, it, it, it kind of coincides with with that draft night. I think um, I realised where my footy was at um, in relation to, to the rest of the country um, and the girls around me, and I realised that um, I did have a lot of hard work to do. Um, there was probably another couple of seasons where I just didn't quite find my form back from, from when I was a junior or, you know, the, the, um, the senior players just were, were too good and I hadn't quite gotten there yet. Um, so I had a lot of growing to still do as a, as a footballer and as a person. And I knew that um, I, 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 had a, I had a strong feeling that getting picked up in Melbourne probably wasn't going to happen for me that year. But I also really wanted to, to still be a part of the inaugural year of AFLW, of course, as we all do. So 
Um, along with that, um, I thought the Giants was a fantastic opportunity to start at a, a really brand new club. Um, I heard some wonderful things about the program that, and the culture that they had up there, and I thought it would be a really good opportunity for me to actually bring my experience from juniors and from my coaching um, to a group of girls in New South Wales that may not have had that experience themselves in their own program. So um, those are the, the, the two factors really that, that, that led to the idea of, of calling up the Giants and asking if they, they wanted me instead. <laughs> and was it tough going, particularly in that first year? Of course, the results show you near the, the, the bottom end of the ladder, but you're putting together a bit of a foreign legion in the team, mixed in with a bit of New South Wales talent. And as we knew at that stage, and to be fair, the Sydney talent wasn't quite up to the standard of the rest of the country. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think we're really lucky in Victoria that it's such a footy state, an AFL state, um, and their their youth girls program I think was probably a cut above the rest, if I do say so, without being too biased. Um, but that 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 was my that was my take on things in terms of the the academy programs that Charlotte Curtis was having run um, from a really from a really young age. Um, for me, um, that that stuff wasn't really happening in New South Wales at all yet. They they hadn't even foreseen that to be happening in the next couple of years. So, um, because of the, the different sports that are happening in New South Wales, rugby is really big, soccer is really big, AFL just kind of um, hasn't or hadn't yet taken off um, at that stage. So, I think in terms of the programs that the New South Wales girls had access to, um, it was quite limited for their for their their talent and and to to grow the game. Um, for the, for those girls, so some absolutely extremely talented girls. But in terms of um, the coaching and pathways they've been through, um, they, they were just quite limited um, prior to AFLW starting up. So um, that we all learnt a lot in that first season. But I remember some of the girls telling me they've never done a preseason before. So it was a big jump um, for the whole team for sure. Taking on that pseudo-leadership role at the GWS Giants, uh, one thing you did do was uh, you were one of the inaugural uh, players' delegates at the AFLPA representing the GWS Giants. Can you give us an uh, an insight to what is the role of a delegate, uh, particularly representing your team, to the greater AFLPA? Yeah, I mean, the AFL have been um, fantastic working with the PA to, to try and ensure that we're getting um, the best thing for ourselves as footballers and as people. Um, I'm really passionate about that off-field, off-field work that the ASLPA do in terms of our well-being and our mental health. Um, and I thought, you know, they were offering up two spots for delegates, and I thought I'd want to put my hand up just, just to ensure that. Um, I mean, personally, I'd moved up from Melbourne, and it was a really, it was really quite a hard move, I think, um, for a lot of us girls. There was about five of us that had moved up just from Melbourne ourselves, but there was also you know, a couple of WA girls, a couple of girls from Canberra. Um, so those kinds of things made things a little bit trickier for us. Obviously, moving state for a part-time work, basically, um, for only six months um, it was quite a challenging period. So I thought if I could put my hand up and, and help out for not only those girls, but the, the rest of the girls on the team, um, then I could play some kind of role off the field like that too. So, um, yeah, still the delegate, which is really great and um I like to think that I, I'm helping the girls out with the off-field stuff um, as well as trying to trying to be a leader on field as much as I can too. Now, we know, of course, that a couple of Victorians that did move up in that inaugural season at GWS, uh, for example, like Saundry moved up there, a Melbourne Uni teammate, Jessica Delpos mm-hmm. is still up there. Uh, we talk of, say, Caitlin Ashmore, a teammate at Melbourne Uni. She went to Brisbane. She did the up and back over the last two seasons, spending uh, the summer in Queensland, the winters back in Melbourne. For you, over the last three years, um, as we speak of the fly-in, fly-out for Richmond, what has been the 
a giant picture of the last three years. Uh, how much time have you spent in Sydney compared to Melbourne? Ah, uh, gee, that's a great question. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the first season, so uh, 2016, I moved up to Sydney in November, um, decided to come home after the season had finished. I hadn't quite found... Um, a stable a stable job and I hadn't finished uni or anything like that. So I, I did want to come home after that season had finished, that first season. So back in Melbourne for majority of 2017 until season two rolls around for Giants and moving back up um, for, the, for the second season in November that year. Um, what it's looked like since then is, is staying in Sydney. So our team manager said to me, it's just going to be a lot easier on myself and, and my football, I think, if I was to stay in Sydney and... Um, you know, be around the club, be around the coaches and, and find some really stable work and a stable home to live in rather than chopping and changing and moving my life back and forward every six months. Um, it does take a toll and I know a lot of the girls that have done that, it has taken a toll on them. Um, so whilst it has been hard being away from home for this long, I think um, it's been really good. I've got a, got a new job at Netball now um, and I've played kind of um, consistent footy, I guess, which has been really great with the Giants Winter Series too. So... Um, yeah, a really big decision, I guess, but it, it, nothing's permanent too. So I could I could move back to Melbourne for six months if I wanted to at this stage and and come back to the giant season. But this is what's worked for me at the moment. And talking about that netball job, I guess uh, you're looking towards a career in sports off the field, uh, a business sports management degree at uh, La Trobe University, and doing a bachelor of business administration sports management uh, currently at UTS. Yeah, that's correct. So. Um, I've spoken with Latrobe and UTS and they've both been really fantastic in terms of um, developing my tertiary studies and trying to finish that degree. Um, so it's, it's obviously been really difficult um, with our season going into the first semester of uni. Um, obviously, I'm still living in Sydney, so Latrobe and UTS and I have been talking to each other and it turns out that I can I can study at UTS as a Latrobe student. Um, so that's what I've done the, the past year is um, study as a cross-institutional student with the Latrobe Elite Athlete Program and University of Technology. So that's been fantastic to try and um, to finish that degree, but also keep continuing playing footy up here. And outside of the Giants, uh, what are you doing footy-wise in Sydney? We've seen that you played a few games with the Sydney University Bombers. And if I read correctly, you did a little bit of coaching with Abbotsley uh, Girls College? Yeah, that's correct. So um, Abbotsley have been really fantastic. They've got their... their um, Girls program starting in term one for the independent girls association. So there's a number of, um, Catholic private schools that are, that are in that competition. Um, so there's ranges from year seven to an open team in year 12. And Abbotsley itself had a hundred girls want to, want to register to play footy, um, in that term one competition, which is just enormous numbers and something that I would have loved to have in high school myself. So, um, really passionate about giving these girls that opportunity and, and coaching with these girls. So um, I've been really fortunate to have that that opportunity um, with Abbotsley. Um, and uh, also, yeah, so was playing footy with Sydney Uni as well. So I only played a couple of games. As you said, I've been flying in and out for, to, to play for Richmond as well and then also in the Giants Winter Series. So there was a bit of chopping and changing in there too. <laughs> and, and how did that um, come about, that idea to play a handful of games for Richmond in their inaugural VFLW season? Um, so basically Kate Sheehan, the, the team manager at Richmond, um, just gave me a call and, and told me about the opportunity. Um, I had a really good think about it because I was planning on just playing in, in Sydney for the season and, and staying put here, but... 
Um, I thought in terms of visiting my family um, and just having an opportunity at an AFL club um, that was really developing the the VFLW um, team, Um, some really experienced coaches um, and just a fantastic program in general, um, I wanted to be a part of that. Um, And I knew that the opposition, the quality of that position was going to be really great as well. And I knew that I had to develop my footy if I wanted to keep my spot on a list at the Giants. So that was really the main reason I went down is just a, a really individual um, footy mindset um, just to develop that. And um, it was it was tricky juggling and all, but I, I don't regret it all going down. It was a fantastic opportunity for me. I think we've chatted to your dad once. He's talked about a manic drive from Melbourne Airport to get to Punt Road Oval in time for you to uh, be able, <laughs> to, be able to play, play a game of footy. Um, yeah, yeah. We know that Richmond are obviously preparing to come into the AFLW, so getting a glimpse of their VFLW program, how would you assess their support and facilities compared to what you're currently using up at the GWS Giants? Um, I mean, every club's really different, um, but it's also very similar in terms of um, the different support systems that we have in the women's program. So um, Kate Sheen, as I mentioned, she was a, a first-year player for, for the Collingwood Magpies, and she um, she obviously knows how a team runs and how a team runs really well. So as team manager at Richmond, she, she really um, looked after us as players and wanted to make sure that we had the best, uh, best things possible for our own development on and off the field. Um, so in terms of their, their program that they ran and the, the, the professionalism, um, it was right up there with, with an AFLW club, which is really fantastic. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm absolutely fortunate for, for how um, welcoming they were with open arms, even though I was only playing a couple of games and they knew that I was, I was looking to head back to the Giants for, for season three. Um, and, yeah, really fortunate for the opportunity to play with them for a season. Looking to the weekend just gone, a 47-point win over the Brisbane Lions in a five-quarter match at uh, Leishon Park. You'll be playing, of course, the Lions again in just a couple of weeks at uh, Moreton Bay Sports Complex in round one. Very good signs for you up forward. Amy Spitt kicking three goals, so did Cora Stoughton. And another Irish woman coming to the fore, Yvonne Bonner from the Crosscoders program, kicking one goal for you. Yeah, it was a it was a really great opportunity to, to hit out against the Lions again. Um, we always like to practice match against them, and especially um, we we got to have five quarters, we'll call it five fifths. <laughs> um, so we got to run every player through, which is fantastic to see just how the the younger girls, I guess, have developed over the over the preseason, and how also the older girls are shining too. Like you mentioned, Yvonne Bonner, she's been a fantastic recruit from Ireland. Um, only ever played one game of AFL, and that was in her trial to to actually play AFLW. So um, she has fantastic speed and, and fantastic read of the game already and obviously can can kick some goals too, which is um, really exciting for our team. We're really excited to see what we can make of it. And what's your assessment of uh, Taylor Davies, who, of course, was a former Giants netballer? Of course, she's transferred over to playing Aussie Rules. Taylor's fantastic. Um, she's a really great addition to the team, not only for her skills, but just her work ethic and her encouragement. Um, obviously, she's been a part of elite programs before, so it's fascinating to, to see how hard she can work because um, she's done it for years. I guess we're all kind of, I guess we could say that we're, we're experienced now having three years of it under our belts, but she's been a, an elite netballer for years and years now. So um, the way that she goes about her footy is second to none, and, and she's definitely keen to have a crack in. Um, we gave her a bit of a bit of a laugh because she had a bruise on her arm one day and... <laughs> We said that's your first first footy bruise. You've got some contact now, but she's absolutely um, roasted the occasion with the contact, and she's loving it. 
And Beck Beeson, who played up forward last year, similar to what she did with the Hawks in the VFLW season, uh, you gave her a run through the midfield. Yeah, so her Hawks season was fantastic. Um, we always knew that she could do it, but she definitely proved herself um, with playing in the Hawthorne Premiership team um, through the midfield last year. I actually played against her at Richmond, and um, she she really shone in that in that position. And and I think she will for the Giants as well. So that's also a really exciting component that she could be up forward or in the midfield as well. So very good. And once again, it seems that the team has taken on the hashtag of the misfits you enjoy being a, a team of ragtag footballers that have been overlooked thrown together and uh, looking to cause a muck again this year you're just shy last year of making the finals you must be a little more hopeful this year particularly at the uh, scenes that has been expanded to include a top four yeah definitely um i mean we, we we love our group and we love um we love al's culture that he's brought to the group and that he's he's um I guess the way that he he deals with the team is is second to none, and, and he really looks after us on and off the field. So um, we're really fortunate to have the group that we have right now, especially the coaches that are leading us, um, and obviously the leadership group that are leading us. Um, so I I do hope that we all can stay together. I know obviously there will be trade moves, and and we um, I think we can only keep twenty two, twenty three girls on our list. Um, so. But that's always going to be a factor that people want to move home and, and new clubs are opening up to, to become, you know, new faces in there to, to create leaders and things like that. But hopefully we can all stay together. And finally, one last question before we let you go. Jumping right back again to your original club, Parade St. Damien's Junior Football Club. On their website, as part of club history, they highlight players that have gone through their club. Jared Malloy, who went to play with Fitzroy, uh, Brisbane and Collingwood. Brad Boyd, who played with uh, both Fitzroy and Brisbane. Lee Montagna, who played with St Kilda. Patrick Vesprimi, who plays the Sydney Swans. And they also mention Louise Stevenson. How does it feel <laughs> to have your name on that board along with those players? Yeah, I mean, as I said before, it is still really surreal that um, we get to call ourselves AFL players, but um, the, the, the hard work that St. Damien's Parade have done in their youth girls space, um, it's a real testament to, to, to their committee there and their group that they've had working there for years and years. Um, so extremely fortunate to be up on that list and to have played for such a club. Um, and hopefully they, they continue to go in strides with their women's program as well as their men's. Well, Louise, thanks very much for joining us here on Women's Australian Football on RSN Carnival. We wish you all the very best with your intra-club match coming up on uh, January 26th and, of course, round one when you take on the Brisbane Lions again up at the Moreton Bay Sports Complex. Thanks so much, Peter. Really appreciate it. And that concludes another week of Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN Carnival. This program airs Wednesday evening, 6pm Australian Eastern Daylight Savings Time on RSN Carnival Digital Radio in Melbourne via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. You can also find the program as a podcast by going to SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts and searching for Women's Australian Rules Football Radio. Don't forget you can find us on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash WARF radio or facebook.com forward slash WARF radio. Once again, we thank you for listening and until next time, it's bye for now.